Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war What a week it has been in the wild world of national events, global events, politics, lots of things happening. And I'm taking sort of a different approach maybe with this week's show. I have stayed kind of in the in the wheelhouse a little bit, um, talking about politics and just kind of current events and things like that. And I took a departure from my normal personal routine. And I have had my television on recently, which is very strange for me. I'm not a big TV watcher. I'm not really a big show person. A lot of people will ask me, oh, have you seen this show? Have you watched this? And that's just not, that's just not me. I think I used to be like that, certainly. But in recent years, I just haven't found much value in spending my time sort of watching something on television. Although I will admit if I'm doing art or maybe something around the house, I might have a show on in the background or yeah, just kind of background noise, I guess. But in my departure, I decided to watch a couple of things that have made their way sort of into my purview, I guess, is what I would say. And I just kind of wanted to talk about both of these, I guess, well, one's a movie and one was like a docu-series, I guess, and just sort of share my perspective on both of them, but then also maybe tie into how easy it is to create a narrative and as the as the viewer how easy it is to align with something that meets your perspective or how you can become maybe sort of a little defensive or question the motives of the producers or the creators of that show because it maybe doesn't align with your narrative. And it's so powerful. The television, which, you know, is tell a vision or tell lie vision, whichever way you want to look at it, it is serving that purpose. It is serving the purpose to be in our homes, projecting to us imagery, sounds, you know, and when I say sounds, I mean, not only language and vocabulary, but also the volume, the hertz, the the music that maybe is associated with the imagery. It is a carefully constructed piece of equipment that has a lot of power. And we saw that through 
of course, COVID, right? With people glued to their televisions to get the news, to get the updates. We had death tickers down at the bottom. I mean, it is a campaign for whatever you want it to be. However, the majority of times we see it is a campaign of fear, negativity, sort of instilling all of these maybe traumas that we've either personally experienced or maybe experienced on a community-wide basis. But really, if you go to your TV and you kind of scroll through programming on whatever platforms you have, there really isn't much positivity or sort of happiness coming out of these shows. It's all real Maybe even, do I use the word dark? Probably, but we've got this fascination with crime dramas and we have, you know, cop shows. And then we get into this realm of reality shows, which it's not really reality. Nobody lives like these people on TV. It's very, very scripted. It's creating these illusions, this kind of false idea surrounding whether that be dating or I I don't know, you know, there's shows about selling real estate in LA like that. It's, it's wild to me. It's wild, but nonetheless, I watched a couple of things and I just had some personal reflection about it. And also Maybe I would go so far as to say I would suggest these for you to maybe watch and then take away from them what you will. So which do I start with? Do I start with the movie or the docuseries? Maybe I'll start with the movie. Um, I watched the movie Nefarious. And if you haven't heard about it, I would encourage you to look up the trailer. I think you can probably just Google that or find it on DuckDuckGo. The overarching concept of this movie is that there is a prisoner in an Oklahoma state penitentiary set for execution. He's been on death row. And prior to him being put to death, he is to have one final psychiatric evaluation. Now, in all of his previous psychiatric evaluations, the psychiatrist has determined, in fact, that he is insane and therefore unfit to be executed. Now, the reason for the diagnosis of insanity or the things that the psychiatrist is seeing in him is reflective of what used to be called multiple personality disorder. I guess there's a new name for it, and they mention it in the movie, but I didn't uh, write it down or memorize it. But it's it's the old, what we called multiple personality disorder, where Somebody seems to be able to shift almost momentarily in between one and two people or personas or multiple people or personas and almost have different mannerisms, characteristics, voice tones, 
live sort of this life as this person in one vessel. In this movie, the inmate that is headed to execution is possessed by a demon. And that is what the demon is coming forward and conveying. So during the movie, you see what I'm going to call both people, right? You see the demon represented and with, again, a different dialogue or sort of cadence to the way that he speaks, facial expressions, things of that nature. And then you have Edward, who Edward is the human who has been taken over by this demonic possession. So the whole argument or the whole, I guess, crux of this issue and looking at it from a viewer standpoint, and then also looking at it through the lens of the psychiatrist who comes in to do this evaluation is whether or not demonic possession is quote unquote real. Is it a real thing? Or does this person simply have a psychiatric disorder, a multiple personality situation happening, and that is what is being presented? So through this movie, we get to know these characters. There's really two main characters. There is Edward, who I just mentioned, and then his counterpart, I will say, is the demon, whom is known as Nefarious. And then there is James, who is the psychiatrist that comes in to do the evaluation. Really great character development through this sort of dialogue, I would say the majority of the movie is them sitting in like a holding cell in the prison where James is going through and really diving in and gathering as much information and having these conversations so that he can make the ultimate decision of yes, Edward or this inmate is insane and the execution will be stayed and he will not be executed. Or if in fact, this is a demonic possession and he's going to be executed. What is ultimately so fascinating about this movie in this particular time that we are in, especially if you are a believer, it does a wonderful job of making you think, which is great. I'm a thinker. I think we've lost a lot of our critical thinking skills over the last couple of years. But I like that from that perspective, because what I'll tell you is that James in the movie, The Psychiatrist, he claims to be an atheist. That comes out during their conversation. So for him, all of these scenarios and these things that this demon brings up in conversation, he's looking at it through his atheist lens, which would tend to swing him more towards the logical side of things, right? I think when you are a person of faith and when you are a believer, of course we have logic and of course we think things through, but there is also such a significant part of our existence that is merely blind faith. It is just 
holding on to the word of God and marching through our lives as best we can, hanging on to that, clutching to it. Sometimes we waver, sometimes we go off track, but it is our center. It's what we always come back to. So for an atheist to be having these conversations through that view brings up a lot of questions. It brings up a lot of logical things that should really be infused in that conversation. And they are incredibly applicable talking points for our time. The other interesting thing about that dialogue and about that exchange is that the majority of the conversation comes through the demon's perspective. So while as a believer, we call the enemy, you know, Satan, that's the enemy from our perspective. And it was very weird, I'll say weird, to hear the demon say the enemy referencing God. That made me kind of pause and that made me kind of, ooh, I don't, I don't like the sound of that. But at the same time, we have to understand that that literally is what it is. As believers, we have an enemy and as ultimately non-believers or these demons, they have an enemy and it is an absolute battle. It is a battle. There were some really interesting quotes from the movie. I'm a sucker for a good quote. And it certainly ties into kind of the topics and the hot button points, I think, as believers that we are struggling with in today's world and the things that seem to be so front and center and so directly against God, they just sort of hit me like a ton of bricks through this, uh, through this movie. And, you know, a couple of the topics that it hits on one is physician assisted suicide. It touches on that, which very, very relevant. We have seen it in state's existence already. We're now seeing it happen in Canada. It's, kind of spreading like wildfire, no pun intended about the Canadian fires also happening, but that is a hot button topic and whether or not as humans, we get to decide when it is someone else's time to go, even if they are in pain, even if their diagnosis is terminal, even if they aren't, they don't have a quality of life that we would want them to have that that does not fall within our sort of, I guess I'll use the word jurisdiction to decide to end that person's life. So I think that's the moral sort of dilemma that was proposed in this, in this movie. It also talks about abortion and again, another hot button topic. And again, as a believer who understands and knows that life begins at conception, hearing it from the representation of a demon was 
kind of gross. Like it, it, it was yucky to sort of have to hear that perspective talk about abortion and kind of gave some interesting historical context as well, which is the old, um, the idea of child sacrifice and Moloch in particular. And this was a real thing. This was something that people did. I tend to believe it is still happening in multiple forms. I think that there's a lot of people that think that it is still taking place. It's just, it maybe looks a little different or it's hidden. It's kept out of view. But through these processes in these conversations and Nefarious, the demon, trying to get James, the psychiatrist, atheist psychiatrist, to understand that we have a good and a bad, he does bring up the carpenter, which I do love that. I love that there was this description of the Messiah, of Jesus as the carpenter. That was their reference and that they recognize that God had to send the carpenter and that that is ultimately the, the, the people that are still on their hands and knees and following and worshiping the carpenter is ultimately what they are trying to fight against. Those are, you know, every, every soul is up for grabs at this game at this time. And they recognize that they, that, that they have a battle and the battle still is, is going strong because of how many people are still faithful and following and worshiping the carpenter. And one of the quotes that, well, I'll throw this one out there first because it was just sort of an all-encompassing one and I really loved it, especially for not only the spiritual warfare that we're in, but also the past three years with like all the COVID stuff and just how we sort of abandoned our own abilities to look around and, and do what we knew we should have done and done the right thing and not trust, not have this blind trust in fellow humans, but the demon shares this. This was a quote that says, sometimes smart people have a hard time believing stuff that everybody else knows. I'm going to say it one more time. Sometimes smart people have a hard time believing stuff that everybody else knows. I love this. I think this is a really great quote. And I think it is a really great way of saying there are really smart, intelligent people out there that, that are lacking, that they just can't quite seem to connect the dots or they put their book smarts over just their regular street smarts. They sort of you know, shun the, the people that maybe don't have the degrees or haven't gone through all of this schooling. But those are the people that, that know. 
they know. And I think that quote is so applicable to not only the spiritual warfare that we're in, to faith in general, but of course, to all of the madness and all the wild things that are happening surrounding COVID and climate change and this gender nonsense. Like, it is so blatant and so obvious and everybody knows it. And you've got these, you've got these smart people that are having a hard time believing stuff. Maybe egos involved in that, but one of the other quotes from this movie as they sort of got into abortion and they were talking, I don't want to give it all away of how they got onto that subject, but again, the, the demon nefarious, he's trying to explain how that is a win for his team because it's human life. And it also goes so much, it plays so much into the whole free will idea, right? That, you know, we can do whatever we want and it's our lives. And I don't have to, you know, answer to anyone. It's just me. I get all this freedom. I get to do whatever I feel like is necessary for me and for me to be successful. This very self-serving existence that we are all in and all guilty of. But this was the quote, and he was saying it directly to James. He said, can you imagine the agony the carpenter feels when we rip a child to pieces inside its own mother's womb? Oof. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's, I guess, also been part of my argument when it comes to the topic of abortion is that so many people that are on the, I guess, pro-choice side, who, again, I think would probably also land not to categorize or not to stereotype, but I would render a guess that there are a lot of those on the pro-choice side that are not of a faith-based practice, that this argument that, well, it's not really a baby because it can't survive on its own outside of the womb. Well, okay, but neither can a one-year-old, neither can a three-year-old, you know, my 13-year-old, he can, he's, he's, he, he wouldn't fare so well out there in the wild, wild world, right? Like that's not a measurable standard for whether or not something is or is not alive, a live being. Sort of, I don't know if I've used this analogy on the show before, but it's sort of like if you went to a, a garden and you dug up all the seeds and said, oh, well, it doesn't matter. They're not carrots yet. Well, yeah, because they're just seeds. They have to become a carrot. Well, it's not, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to get rid of all of those. I'm just going to pluck them all out of the ground. They're not anything yet. They're not, they're not food. They're not viable. They're not anything. So I'm just going to get rid of all these seeds. 
that quote in that movie, the agony that the carpenter feels as we are literally sewn together and created in the creator's image. And then to live with this free will that we can just go ahead and and do that. So absent of the actual brilliance and masterful design that goes into our creation. And the other, the thing about this movie that I do really appreciate is that I think a non-believer could easily watch this and have some great takeaways because the information is presented in a non-attacking way in a non-superiority way, it is engaging and it makes you think and it tugs at your heartstrings a little bit. And hopefully, I mean, it, it even made me, as somebody who knew a little bit about the movie, a little bit about the plot, I still went in, you know, with open eyes and open ears and it does still it raises some questions. And I think that that is always good. It certainly isn't making me question my faith. It's just, I think maybe questions about looking at things in a different way or having conversations in a different way with people, which is always a good position to to put yourself in and, you know, share things or approach conversations in a unique way. It's time in this world. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's Chief Medical Board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. 
If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code out loud and get 20% off. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. When I left for break was just kind of touching on some of these hard hitting topics that this movie covered. And I wanted to just point out a couple of interesting things and then give you my overall takeaway on it. But one of the other sort of aspects that to me this nefarious, this demon, this entity was trying to convey to James about the world that we live in and about how we are in this battle of good versus evil. It's just that the evil is everywhere. And so it doesn't appear like we think it is going to appear. We have these ideas of, you know, the devil walking in in a red suit and horns and a tail. And that's that's like a caricature, right? That's a Halloween costume. That isn't how it is. And one of the things that he says to James is in talking about how their team, the evil team in this battle, how it works to sort of gain the upper hand is he says, And we did it all right to your face, James. And now there's evil everywhere and no one even cares. That I think is so huge. Nobody seems to care. Well, I shouldn't say that. What I should say is that not enough people care. Not enough people care because they are afraid of the other worldly things 
that may get impacted if they care. So they're afraid to speak out because, oh, they might lose friends. They might lose family members. They might lose their job. Sure. All of those things are impactful. But what is the impact of not speaking out? That is significantly greater. And we're talking about a myriad of issues, a myriad of issues. He goes on to say, we desensitized you, redirected your worldview to the point that you can't even recognize evil when it's right in front of your face. So true. Look at music, movies, television, clothing, an entire month dedicated to pride, drag queen story hour, sexually explicit stuff everywhere, violence, all of these things that are of this world are everywhere front and center. And we don't even, we, we don't even consider it evil anymore. It's so commonplace. We consider it normal. We consider it to be loving. You're just accepting someone else or you're accepting someone else's views. And that's loving. That's the loving kind thing to do. We're not putting our foot down. And that is, that's how the enemy gets in. That's how they worm their way in. It's very fascinating. So my overall takeaway from this movie is this. Number one, I will genuinely say if you are a non-believer or if maybe you are on the fence, if you're unsure, if you have some questions, if you've been turned off by what your traditional ideas of Christianity are. If you are an atheist, if you don't believe in heaven, hell, demons, angels, if that sort of like paradigm doesn't really exist in your kind of thought processes or your daily life or your existence, I would encourage you to watch this. I think it's a good movie in general. And I can't honestly remember the last time I watched a movie and it seems like the theaters are pretty empty these days, but I would say for an hour and 45 minutes of entertainment, it's, it's good entertainment. If you're an analytical thinker, I would say, watch it. If you're somebody that wants to maybe bolster your argument that there is no God or that that doesn't exist again, maybe an atheist viewpoint, I would encourage you to watch it. I think it is. I think it's a worthwhile watch. Take away from it, maybe some new questions, some new ways of looking at things, maybe spark a conversation with somebody that is a believer based around it and just have a nice open dialogue about it because it does bring up some really great things that could be jumping off points for a lovely conversation. What I will also say is if you are a believer, I would encourage you to watch it. I think Again, the it's subtle, but not so subtle. It's clearly talking about good versus evil and what that looks like for us. But I still think it is 
a nice way of perhaps having us kind of do some self-reflection about maybe how we're having conversations with non-believers or just in general, or maybe ways that we have allowed the enemy to infiltrate our life because we ourselves are not putting our foot down enough. And I know I am guilty of that. I, you know, probably let my son listen to music that he, well, I know he should not be listening to. I have a mouth like a trucker. I am certainly not a perfect person. I have sinned plenty, but I think that that's always good to have those sort of moments that you are forced to humble yourself and look at, oh gosh, am I also being greatly affected by the things of this world? And what can I do to not allow the enemy to creep in anymore or get a stronghold? So overall, you guys, I would recommend it. I rented it on prime video. That was the only way it is in theaters. So check your local theaters. My theaters here, it had like one showing once a day. And I'll be honest with you. I'm a sucker for just like being on the couch with a blanket and my puppy and watching it. So I just went ahead and rented it. So you can do that as well, or you can head to the theater, but definitely I would recommend watching it and just looking at it with an open eyes and open ears. Now, I'm going to swing in a different but similar direction, and it's a show that I watched, and here's maybe what I will say. The two give a different viewpoint of maybe Christianity or being a believer, where I said Nefarious points it out and walks you through some things about the good versus evil and the wise surrounding that and what probably is the best path to go. You then got on the other side, this documentary that I watched and I can't remember what platform it was on, maybe also prime, but it was called shiny happy people. And this was the story of the Duggar family. And I'm sure you know the Duggar family, but if you don't, they are a family that did a reality show called 19 Kids and Counting, although that's what it ended up as. I think when they started, it was something like 16 Kids and Counting, maybe 15 Kids and Counting. And then through the course of the show, this woman had more and more children. Ultimately, she ended up having 19 children, and this show was on TLC for years, and it went through sort of documenting the family and what ultimately was their church association. So I remember watching this show when I was younger and thinking, you know, you, you hear about, I guess, like Mormon fundamentalists, right. And we've all seen, you know, 
those stories and those shows about that lifestyle, that particular lifestyle, whether it's the polygamy, the other things that sort of get entrenched into that very, very quote unquote fundamentalist take on Christianity. But the Duggars were actually a part of another organization and I had never heard of it until this show. And it was really, really interesting. It's actually called IBLP. And what that stands for is the Institute in Basic Life Principles. They consider themselves a non-denominational Christian organization. And it was established by this one guy. His name was Bill Gothard. And it was established in 1961. And it was originally launched under the name Campus Teams. And then it got changed a little bit later. And it's sort of, again, this very... I I guess I'll use the word traditional, but I don't like necessarily applying the word traditional to this particular situation because I think that this leans on the sort of extreme side, if you will. But maybe what I will say is traditional values as far as marriage roles, um, you know, husband and wife, traditional roles. I will say... It's traditional as far as, you know, dating and courting growing up, there was no physical contact between boys and girls, Uh, wedding night, you know, that was the big night, virgins until you're married, those types of things, which again, don't get me wrong. Like, I think that those core beliefs as those are biblically sound beliefs are, are great. But what I found really, really interesting through this documentary is of course they look at all of the kids. They look at the mom and the dad, how they met their sort of friends. And then sort of this almost like an unraveling of this family throughout the years. And really what it stemmed from and what ended up happening is the oldest boy in the family, Josh Duggar, ended up being arrested for multiple counts of molestation. And as it turns out, he ended up molesting, I think, four of his sister's Maybe even some some other girls outside of the family had an extramarital affair. Like it was just this big scandal that rocked this family. So this documentary dives in really deep on this. And it dives in pretty deep on this Bill Gothard person and the IBLP um, church, I guess, if you will. And looking at it, it looks, I mean, if I had to use a word, I, I mean, do I use the word cult? Well, maybe, but it was, it was very regimented, incredibly strict, you know, dress a certain way, the men and the women, uh, this idea of having as many children as God would bless you with. So you had a lot of these families with 
large numbers of children. And then ultimately what ends up happening is right. The older kids, they sort of don't get a childhood because they're too busy raising these younger kids while then mom and the dad are working or homeschooling, trying to run a household, do all of the regular parenting things with just this gigantic family under their roof. An interesting component that came out, and maybe actually before I go here, here's maybe what I kind of opened up the show with talking about how it's very, very easy for something on television to either resonate with us a hundred percent. We buy in. Yes, this is what I think. This is what I believe that show is accurate. And then it can swing to the other end of the spectrum where I can't even watch this. It is all lies. I have to turn it off or I have to turn the, the station And then you get maybe somewhere along that spectrum where there's pieces of it that, okay, sure, I agree with that. Or it made me think, or it made me ask some questions, but there is maybe a little bit of gray area when it comes to the delivery of that show and how much buy-in an entire audience or a particular group is going to get. So with Nefarious, I liked it. I, again, can't say that I believe or that I agree. Like it was, it was entertaining and and it already aligned with sort of the things that I know and that I trust in my walk and in my faith. And so that one aligned with me more, right? So then I am watching this shiny, happy people and it aligns with me in the sense of I would hope that these people have genuine intentions when they are putting their kids on TV, which that right there is probably a contradiction in terms. You're putting your kids on TV with genuine, you know, good intentions. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's not possible, but no, if these kids are still raised with Christian values and I think not having sex until you're married is incredible core principles of family and taking care of one another. So there are things that I was like, yeah, this is, this is okay. These are good. These are good values. And some of them were biblically sound, but then you, you, you go one step further and you've got this one guy who's running this big church who, by the way, had never been married and never had any kids. And yet he is dictating to hundreds of thousands of people across the world how to properly raise your children, how to have a successful marriage, how to be the pillar in your community, how to do all of these things that he literally had never done before. And these people ate it up. They absolutely ate it up. Loved every minute of what he was saying. It was sort of this kind of false idol complex that it it appeared to be where these people almost were were worshiping bill instead of worshiping the lord very very strange but what was definitely a trigger for me and what i thought was really interesting and again my conspiracy gr- brain always ends up there it always ends up in 
okay, this feels like there's an ulterior motive behind it, right? And maybe some would say that about nefarious as well. Some would say, oh my gosh, this is totally playing in to all of those people that say we're in spiritual warfare that are trying to, you know, convince or proselytize or whatever that agenda is. Sure, that could absolutely play in. But there was a significant component of this documentary that I wholeheartedly believe is a concerted effort to something that is to maybe paint a different picture about what is happening right now. And that is they interviewed quite a few kids that had grown up in this IBLP structure. So whether it was going to these retreats or I know they had these training centers, but the biggest component was homeschooling. They had put out a curriculum and apparently it was wildly expensive. (laughs) So these families that are already trying to feed like, you know, huge numbers of kids, they now have to shell out all of this dough for this one particular curriculum. And the curriculum that the kids talked about was like, well, we weren't really learning math and we weren't really learning science. We were learning about immorality and behaviors, which again is okay, but at some point you're going to need a traditional, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic in order to participate in society, have jobs, all of those things. But that wasn't the biggest takeaway. The biggest takeaway for me and what I got bothered by was how horrible they made homeschooling out to be just in general. Now I could say if I grew up in this environment and this was sort of this indoctrination and this felt very culty to me as a kid, sure, I may not be the biggest fan of homeschool, but that's not at all how the messaging came out. The messaging came out like, All homeschooling is bad. And that if you're homeschooling your children, you are a right-wing fundamentalist Christian who is trying to infiltrate our government and get this sort of mass, I don't know, this, this idea or these ways of life amongst everyone. Like it was like a takeover, I guess. And I think I felt so triggered by that because, you know, right now in our current state, we have so many people choosing to homeschool. And it's certainly not because they're right-wing extremists. It's because we have teachers that are hanging pride flags in their classrooms. We have teachers that are talking about their own sexual preferences with our children in classrooms. We are talking about school shootings, that we just don't want our kids in that environment where, God forbid, something happened to them. We don't want our kids in a classroom for eight hours a day where they can't move, they can't stand up, they can't stretch, they can't be themselves. Like We are analyzing and looking at the school system in and of itself and saying there is probably a better way and... I want to be in charge of what my child is learning. 
And yet coincidentally, which again, I'm not a huge fan of coincidences. I don't really think those exist. We have this documentary come out that is full of sort of this underbelly world of this church, right? So we're supposed to think of the church as a great place and it's kind and it's loving and it's welcoming. And yet there's scandal after scandal and there's child abuse and there's, you know, all of these things happening. So that puts a negative maybe taste in people's mouth about church and about Christianity. And then you talk to these kids who don't really specify, oh, it was this curriculum about homeschooling that didn't really sit well with me. No, it was blanket statements, homeschooling, homeschooling in general. And I do think that there are enough people with the mindset that would be potentially manipulated into thinking, yep, I agree that if anyone is choosing to homeschool their kids, they are part of this fringe, right-wing, extremism, fundamentalist, you know, all of these really, really catchy words that we like to label people with, because that's easier. It's easier to label than it is to kind of have a dialogue and get to the root of things. But I can see there being a lot of those people that are like, oh, yep. Oh, yeah, they're homeschooling. I know. I know what they're up to. I know all about them. So I just, I just found it very interesting. Two different shows from somebody that doesn't really watch a lot of television, you know, taking it all in and figuring out what resonated, what didn't resonate, why I felt triggered, and just realizing that that is its that is its goal. That's its ultimate goal. Whatever is on TV coming at us is ultimately working to fuel some sort of response, some sort of emotional response, make you maybe even think a different way than what you had originally thought, which could be good or bad, I suppose, but definitely locks you in on whatever narrative it is that they are trying to push. Very interesting. Very, very interesting to me. But I would recommend watching both if you have time. Nefarious is about an hour and 45 minutes and I don't know, shiny, happy people, maybe a couple of hours. I had a lot of laundry to fold. Okay. Don't judge. <laughs> it was a, it was a busy day. So that is my take. Go watch them. Hit me up with some feedback. If you feel like it, send an email but I would love to know your thoughts and yeah, just see if, see if anything of what I said kind of resonated or if you had any of the same, any of the same takeaways. But with that, you guys, that is all the time we have for today. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. 
please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different different nurse host daily where no topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time and